Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for this week's edition of All Things Evangelism. I'm here with Pastor Danny Melenkoff, and as you guys know, we um, get together every week and we talk about things that pertain to outreach ministry and evangelism in the Adventist Church, and I have different guests every week, and there are people who, yeah, have insight and experience in regards to the various topics, and, and so I'm really glad that I could have Pastor Danny here with us this week. He is a consummate soul winner and evangelist in the Adventist Church family. He worked as the conference evangelist here in North New South Wales Conference for several years and did an extraordinary job and just has a real passion for winning people and proliferating the truths of Scripture as we understand them. And yeah, thanks, Dan, for coming on and spending some time with me. Thank you. My pleasure. We're going to hang out and talk about the benefits of evangelism. And our podcast today is entitled Spiritual Bodybuilding. Cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So Danny, you know, I'm a pretty thin guy and you're a pretty thin guy. I think it's a bit ironic that we're doing a podcast <laughs> called Spiritual Bodybuilding. You think you got a whole hip more muscle than I do, mate. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think you're probably more the I've athlete. I've got more right? bone than you. <laughs> you got more muscle. Yeah. So has there ever been a time in your life where you physically got into weightlifting or muscle building? Well, um, I guess uh, I did at a time, but not in a gym. But at my dad's work, my dad built concrete water tanks out in the country. And so we would bucket with these these buckets that that you feed animals, farm animals with those, those buckets. We would fill them up with concrete and we would fill up the concrete tank with with these buckets of concrete so no no pumps back then well they were but they were very expensive yeah I'd, I'd spend four or five hours bucketing concrete so that was my gym workout <laughs> it's unreal so did you put any weight on i uh, didn't put too much muscle on i had a little bit but i think i just i was able to have, have have really good conditioning and yeah really good fitness as a result of that so i was i was very fit oh, that's awesome i tell people from time to time that there were occasions in my life I'd got into the weights and put on some muscle and it was a bit bigger and I think it's hard for them to believe <laughs> they look at me but yeah it's true when I was in the U.S. Navy for four years and traveled overseas quite a bit I spent a lot of time in the gym I was on an aircraft carrier and they actually have weight gyms on the ship and right after work every day we would do 12-hour shifts from seven in the morning till seven at night or seven at night till seven in the morning, depending on if you're on the nights or the days. And yeah, right after work, just goes run straight down to the gym to get there before everybody else. And it was like being back home, you know, you're in the middle of the ocean. So they'd be playing music and just a nice gym atmosphere, even though it was a pretty rusty gym. And man, we just hit the weights and work out for a good amount of time. And I put on maybe 15 plus kilos in a six oh, wow. period once. Yeah, I was, I was pretty beefy and strong and yeah, but then a guy like me, it disappears real quick. Yeah, no, it, it does um, tend to disappear if you don't if you don't maintain it. So, and I guess it's like I'm more into aerobic fitness. I enjoy playing tennis. I enjoy um, mountain biking and hiking and so on and so forth. So, I'm more into aerobic fitness. But I have found that if you have a pause for a time, it really does make a difference. And yeah, so it, it's interesting how you just got to keep it up. Yeah, so there, there's parallels here, right? So we want to just chat a bit about the spiritual bodybuilding that is evangelism. So mm. the believer, the Christian, is given the commission by Jesus to go and teach all nations. 
And so we as a church, we take that very seriously. And we have a global mission. Our movement is one that's, that is all around the, the planet. And that's because we're very much an evangelistically oriented church community. And I believe, and as, a, as do you, that in doing evangelism, we build ourselves up. We become more strong and fit on a spiritual level. And is there biblical like evidence for that? Is there Bible statements that explicitly or at least implicitly communicate that we become stronger spiritually when we ourselves do evangelistic ministry? Oh, absolutely. I think all the way through all the way through scripture, you find God's people that have been called by God are evangelists all the way from the very beginning of time. We go through and this over the last in a couple of months we've been studying from the book of Genesis in our Sabbath school time and we we currently have the study on Abraham and you can clearly see that God called him out of where he was residing to be an evangelist to share the good news of salvation so it didn't just call him to inhabit a place and just chill and enjoy a good life yeah that was part of it but it was very much in connection with him being a blessing to all the nations around him that God would use him and, and his seed and his family to, to bless the entire world. You have that with Noah was an evangelist. Uh, you have that all the way through scripture into the New Testament, Jesus, his disciples, the book of Acts, they are continually sharing their faith. And as they're sharing their faith, they're growing in their relationship with Jesus. It's just throughout the entirety of scripture. You cannot disconnect a personal growing relationship with Jesus and sharing your faith with those around you. You can't disconnect the two. They go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. They're like love and marriage. Love and marriage need to go hand in hand. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Yeah, totally. You know, there's a verse that comes to mind. I think it's Proverbs eleven twenty five. It says, the liberal soul will be made fat and he who waters will be watered himself. And I, th- I think that's a pretty clear communication from God that it's when you're generous and giving that you can receive. And the liberal soul just means the generous person is made fat. And he that waters, so if you take the water of life, if you're willing to give what what God has given you and you you pour it out on others, then God, you know, pours more out on you. Mm. It seems, you know, a, a hose, if you will, for the the spring of God's love and and care for the world, but you become a dispenser and therefore, you know, you get filled more and more and more as you fill others. That seems to be a pretty clear biblical text in that regard. And there's also, I think it's um, Proverbs 1130. I'm just going from the top of my head here, but it says that he that wins souls is wise. It's interesting. It just explicitly says that you're wise when you're a soul winner. And then I don't know if you remember Danny, Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 12, where it says those that are wise will shine yeah, like the stars, like the, stars. The, like the stars in the brightness of the firmament. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting there, if you could have put those two verses of scripture together, winning souls, those that do it are wise and those that are wise shine. So there's a wisdom that is attained through the work of soul winning ministry. Yeah. So you develop yourself. That that verse seems to be pretty clear in that. What do you think, bro? How does it, if we were to break it down and say, this is how it helps you spiritually. Here's what you gain as a church community and as an individual by committing to the work of evangelism and winning souls to the truth. 
Okay. Well, I think probably on many levels, you are blessed. I would say to begin with, when you have a keen interest and when your default position in your Christian experience is to share your faith, then you are going to be spending more time on your knees because you're praying for individuals who you're seeking to reach, be they family, friends, neighbors, work colleagues, at uni, wherever. You know that it's not your work that brings conversion to the human heart, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit. So you're spending more time on your knees praying for them. And the more time you spend on your knees, of course, your walk with the Lord is growing. Secondly, when you're looking to to be a witness, when you're looking to share God's word and God's love with those around you, you're spending more time in the word naturally because your friends, your family and whoever you're looking to share with, they've got questions. And so you're, you're continually going back to the word in order to find out the answer to their questions. And so you're digging deeper. And so you're growing in your walk with the Lord through the word. So it's, you're being blessed more so in the word. Then I would say you are being blessed more in your walk with the Lord because you're becoming more like Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate soul winner. He came He came to, to give his life so that we could have life. He didn't come to be served, you know, but to serve. And so the more we share, the more we become like Christ, who was who was the ultimate soul winner. He was the good shepherd. And uh, we, we follow in his footsteps and we become one with him. We have his heart. Someone once said that if we don't have the heart of Jesus in the here and now, we won't share in the home of Jesus in the hereafter. And I think that's just so true that the more the more we share, the more we become like Christ, the more our relationship with him grows in prayer and in the word and just our joy. Luke chapter 15, that 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 wonderful chapter where Jesus shares those three parables that concern how heaven feels about when one lost person comes to Christ. The parable of the sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and dare I say the parable of the lost sons. They were both lost. One was lost at home, one was lost in the pig pen. But in all three parables, the Bible says there is joy in heaven. There is joy in heaven. There was there was joy in heaven when the sheep was found. There was joy in in heaven that that coin was found and there's great joy there's rejoicing there's a banquet taking place when when that prodigal son comes home and so we enter into the joy of the lord and it's interesting because jesus said to those in the parable of the sheep and the goats if i remember correctly in matthew 25 when he says well done good and faithful servant you know you were faithful in a little come and inherit the kingdom that is prepared for you come and enter into the joy of thy lord so we experience the joy of Jesus. We enter into the joy of the Lord. So, yeah, and, and there's just no better way to live, really. There's no better way to live than to be on the front lines day by day, looking for opportunities, praying for opportunities to be able to share your faith with those around you. Dude, I love that point that there's spiritual disciplines required in soul winning. And it just, it for the work of when you commit to, winning people when you commit to evangelistic mission as an individual or as a church, you now have to commit to God in a way that you otherwise wouldn't have to commit to him. Like you just, it's just a different, I don't, the words I'm using aren't probably perfect. You said it very well. I just appreciate that, that general point you made about you pray more, you study your Bible more because you're putting yourself out there. You're on the line. If you, yeah, are taking responsibility for sharing the gospel, then you got to know it. And there's a difference between comprehending something enough to personally believe it to where you say, okay, I understand this sufficiently 
to accept this teaching or to accept this belief or practice, but then it's a whole nother level of comprehending when you've got to share it with other people. And to see souls saved requires God working, the work of God. And you've really got to partner with the Lord in, in ministry if you're, going to, if you're going to win people. And yeah, it's a really, that's a really good point you make. I appreciate it very, very much. What do you think is the result of not doing evangelism? Like when the church loses its heart for evangelistic mission, what, what's the result? I think the result from my experience, what I've seen in my own life personally, when that flame hasn't been burning as brightly as I wanted to, as it should, and also in a church setting, what happens is feebleness comes into the church. And it's just a bit like if you're not exercising, like we mentioned right at the beginning, if you're not exercising, you may be being struck down with an illness or you've ended up in hospital or whatever for, for maybe a number of months and you haven't been exercising your limbs, they eventually become very weak. And yeah, so that, that's basically one of the things that happens when the church's focus is not on seeking and saving the lost, when that is not our primary focus, our spiritual, uh, our spiritual health declines in a very significant way, individually, families, and as a church family. And then what happens, I have discovered more often than not, what happens is because we've got this time on our hands that we should be investing in seeking and saving the lost, the enemy comes in and he utilizes that time in order for us to be now looking at one another, you know, nitpicking at one another's faults and criticizing and fault finding and all those things that are destructive to a community of faith. And someone once said, and I think it's just so true and I've remembered it, if you're not busy rowing the boat, you'll be busy rocking the boat. And so that's exactly that's what happens. Instead of rowing the in, in the direction, working together as a church family, we begin rocking the boat and, and we go backwards. So really the antidote for church conflict and church arguments over this, that and the other is for the church to be focused on winning souls. And when we're focused on winning souls, we're growing spiritually as individuals, we're growing spiritually as a church family, we have an outward focus, not an inward focus, and our spiritual muscles are being rejuvenated and strengthened day by day. And guess what? We're rejoicing because there's people coming to the Lord, there are baptisms, there is great joy instead of the whinging and the complaining and the criticizing that is the opposite to that if we don't focus on reaching out. And what about the fact that we need to do in-reach, Danny? Like we may be defunct and divided amongst ourselves, and so maybe we shouldn't focus on evangelism. Maybe we should focus on ourselves, right? Like oh, yes, I've together. heard that. I have heard that. I've got a, I've got a response for that. Like, like we're not prepared to do evangelism because we're not in the right condition. We will never be in the right condition to do evangelism. We, we get into the right condition by getting out there and, and being involved in, in, in sharing our faith. You don't, you don't become fit, strong, and, and muscly by reading the books and by watching the TV shows and by watching your YouTube you know, channel when it comes to fitness and health. That's not, how, that's not how it happens. It happens when you just take yourself out of that lounge chair, you know, put the ice cream to the side and the packet of chips and everything else, turn off all the devices, put your runners on, get outside and start walking, uh, head to the gym, head wherever, get on the push bike. You force yourself at first because it's not something that comes naturally. And then 
you begin to grow and then it begins to grow on you and that's when you begin to develop. So individuals who say, and I've had people say to me, look, before we go out and share with the community, we have to be right ourselves. We, first of all, we need to be revived and we need to be in the right place before we go and share. And yes, that is true because we do have the story in Acts where Jesus told them, don't go anywhere and share until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need to do that. But they prayed for 10 days. They didn't pray for 10 months. They didn't pray for 10 (laughs) years. They prayed for 10 days. It was serious prayer. And then they were prepared to go. So yes, get on your knees and pray. Spend some time in prayer and say, Lord, please help me. Forgive me. Give me the courage, the strength. Spend some time in prayer in your closet. And then get out there as uncomfortable as it is and begin to share. And if the church does that collectively, Praise the Lord. You will have things to be able to share with. So, yeah, let's not wait until, you know, we're we're completely where we should be because God will bring us to the place where he wants us to be as individuals and as a church as we share. As we share, that will happen. So, Pastor Danny, are you saying that when people say, hey, we need to be right as a church before we do evangelism, that's a delay tactic? Yeah, that's a, absolutely. That's a delay tactic. And that's not a realistic tactic because you don't. And some people say, oh, look, we, as a church, we've got to be united. We need to be more. The truth is the only thing that unites us, I've discovered the only thing that will unite a church is reaching out, evangelism. That's the only thing that will unite. We're not going to be united on what we put on our plates at the potluck luncheon. We're not going to be united on how we look. We're not going to be united on what version of the Bible we use in church. We're going to be united alone on seeking and saving the souls. Jesus knew that. And so that's the only way forward. Have you ever played sports? Yeah, absolutely. On a sports team? Yep. I'm just wondering if there's not a parallel here where, you know, you're on a sports team to play a certain game, a certain activity. And it's important that the team is functioning in unison, that everyone's playing their respective roles and doing, you know, their job, you know, fulfilling their position on the team. But at the same time, like that doesn't, you don't sit around, you can have team building activities and you can have pep talks by the coach and he can make you do drills when you're not doing the right thing and try to do all these little things to get the team where it needs to be mentally and physically. But at the end of the day, you're there to play a game. You're there to play baseball or you're there to play soccer or whatever the, the, the sport is and uh, or cricket. And so I just think it's a team member can say, hey, listen, before we go out on the field on Sunday, we need to make sure we're united. That's true. That's perfectly true. But like you were saying, that's not going to mean that you don't play soccer for six months while you're on the soccer team. This is no, you all join the soccer team to play soccer. And sometimes like getting on the field and playing is the thing that alerts you to the fact that you're not united or maybe makes you personally aware that you're not the team member that you need to be. So I think that it's not like one or the other or, hey, we're going to spend a year becoming who we need to be before we reach out. Because what if reaching out is a part of God's plan to make you who you need to be. Mm. That's why we join the team to be like Jesus. As you inferred before, Jesus was a soul winner. He was the premier soul winner. And he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So mm. the very basis of his call to us is, hey, come be like me. Come win souls. Come do an evangelistic work of reaching out for the sake of others' salvation. And okay, so what do you do with the person who says, hey, evangelism isn't my gift. It's a spiritual gift. Like you guys are sitting here putting an unnecessary burden on church people because you're saying that spiritual bodybuilding 
is evangelism. Well, I can't become spiritually strong, but my gift isn't evangelism. What do you say to that? There's no such thing in scripture that I have come across in the New Testament in particular, where evangelism is a spiritual gift. There are various spiritual gifts like administration, there's the public evangelist, there's teachers, there's pastors. There's a whole host of spiritual gifts that are given when we take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in particular. What is it? Romans 12 and I think it's Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4. They're sort of the three main passages. But in none of them is reaching out to, to lost souls, being a soul winner, considered a gift. It's not a spiritual gift because as soon as we come to Christ and there are a number of passages in the New Testament there in the Gospels where individuals who have come to Christ have been sent out by Christ. I'll give you just a couple of them. You've got the the demoniacs. Jesus healed them and they didn't have the spiritual gift of evangelism, but when they wanted to follow Jesus, um, he just simply said, hey, I've got something else for you to do, and that is go and tell all your friends, your family, your neighbors, your everyone there in the Decapolis where they were on the other side of, of Galilee on the eastern side, go tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Go, just go and tell them. We've got Nicodemus, the story of Nicodemus, and he came to Christ seeking, you know, to enter into a discussion, into some, he wanted theology, whereas Jesus said, no, what you need is to be born again. And Nicodemus, as we read the story later on, he became a witness. He became a, he became a person who shared his faith and he was open about it. You've got the woman at the well in John chapter 4. She wants to have a discussion with Jesus. She wants to have a theological discussion with him. And Jesus says, no, what I'm going to share with you, the water of life is going to go flowing out from you to others and to bless others. And guess what she does? After her encounter with Jesus, she goes back to her village and she tells the entire village of who this Jesus was. I found the Messiah. He has He has blessed me. Come and see the Messiah. And they all come and Jesus stays there in that village. And, and there are many that accept him as the Messiah. So when we come across individuals who have an encounter with Jesus, there is no such thing as they have the gift of evangelism, they have the gift of witnessing and sharing, and so that is why they partake in that. Every single person that comes to Christ, whoever has been born again, has been converted through the power of Christ, has a story to tell. And that's all you need to do. All you need to do is you need to go and share what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Just share what Christ has done in your life and people will not be able to argue with your testimony and what Christ has done for you. And that's the most powerful witness you can be. And you don't need to have the gift of testimony to share your testimony. Mm -hmm. Just go and share it. Ephesians 4, like you were mentioning in verse 11, it does say that he gave some to be evangelists, but that doesn't mean that everyone who hasn't been assigned the life work of evangelism isn't on their own level or in their own right in evangelist, just like he gave some to be teachers, but that doesn't mean we can't teach each other. Like That's all parents teach their children. That's right. And who hasn't learned in Sabbath school from other Sabbath school class members, right? So somebody's in Sabbath school class, they share an insight that they have gained from their own personal study. And then that I've been taught, it doesn't matter whether the person's the Sabbath school teacher or whether they're the Sabbath school to- student, they can teach other people in the class. And so I think we sometimes assume that since there's certain individuals who have a gift or a calling in a specific area of ministry, then that means that no one else in the world besides that person can do that 
respective job. So I always think that there's evangelists in the capital E sense. There's people who have this extraordinary gift to communicate with large numbers of people at the same time. They're just compelling communicators who are very convincing and charismatic, and they just have an ability to handle God's word in such a way that they can speak to lots of people and lots of people can be impressed. But that doesn't mean that we all aren't evangelists with a lowercase e, in the sense that we're, we're all witnesses, we're all soul winners, we're all fishers of men and called to the work of the Great Commission and to be personal ministers uh, and sharing God's word and, and teaching God's truth to our children, to our cousins, to our brothers, to our moms, whoever will listen, whoever will hear. And we see this in all different spheres where people are willing to share what they know and share what they've experienced just simply because they love it, because they mm. appreciate it. They think, oh, you find a surfer who went out and caught some really good waves. If you're that surfer's friend, like you're going to find out about it at some point. Like They're going to tell you, they're going to share with you. If you're a tennis player or a mountain biker or whatever you're, you do that you love, you get, at some point you share that with people who you know. Like They know what you do. They know who you are. You share it. It comes out of you when you love it and when you're passionate. So I don't have to be a professional tennis player to play tennis or and then right. to tell someone about it. I don't have to be a weather person to talk about the weather with someone. Like, oh, I'm not a weatherman, so I don't talk about the weather. That's, that's silly. Like, of course you talk about the weather. You talk about it with everybody. Um, and then you talk about how the weathermen are dumb and don't, don't do their job good enough. So it's only when you get to the world of evangelism that people start to say, well, I'm not an evangelist, so I can't do evangelism. That would be like saying, I'm not a professional snowboarder, so I can't go snowboarding. No, that's not true. Um, not at all. Like you can, you can be a skier, a tennis player, and not be a professional who just has committed their whole life to that venture at all. So, yeah, that's a really good point that you bring up there. Hey, and yeah, and I just and I think it's, about it too. I think we got to remember <laughs> what that word evangelism literally means. The the original word euangelion it literally means good news. So, a person who is an evangelist capital E, small e, in between e, whatever e you want to put in there, is simply sharing the good news of salvation. That's what you are doing. Do you have good news to share? Has Jesus done anything in your life that is worth sharing? If the answer is yes, then go and share that good news. And it's interesting, Jesus told his disciples, he said, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will all be my witnesses. What's a witness? A witness shares what they have experienced, what they've heard, their own their own personal journey. That's what a witness shares, be it in a court of law, be it in everyday life. A witness is someone who shares from their own personal experience. So if you have experienced Christ, share. If you haven't experienced Christ, then go and share. And through that, you will experience Christ and the power of Christ. And so the two go hand in hand. And yeah, they work together in a beautiful way to build up our spiritual muscles, our spiritual mind, our spiritual heart. And you know what? The the happiest people in church, I can tell you who they are. They are the ones that are sharing. They are sharing in different ways. They are sharing, you know, verbally. They are sharing through actions. They are being witnesses of Christ and his love. They are the happiest people in the church, and they are the ones that um, complain the least. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to say, because we're out of time here, is that Jesus called his disciples for the sake of building up his church. Like, he, he, they just started doing mission work as soon as he called them. Like, the, hey, they came to follow him. And then he sent them out to preach. It says in, in Mark 3, when he ordained them, it says he ordained 12 so that he could be with them 
and that he could send them out to preach and give them power over the demons and to heal the sick. So you don't see in the disciples' experience with Jesus that they are called and then a long time down the road, he selects just one or two of them who have this exceptional gift to do evangelism, to go out and win people. He calls them all to himself and he commissions them all to go preach and to all go teach. And this is what happens for the sake of the disciples. Then they all go out. And I'm sure that they weren't all disposed the same and that they did not all possess the exact same gifts as the disciples. Like That's right. It's just highly unlikely that would be the case, that they're all gifted exactly the same. Well, there were different temperaments, different personalities. Radically different guys from different walks of life. And yeah, they were probably very different on lots of levels, but they all get sent to go preach the gospel. And then when he gives the gospel commission, he says, go make disciples of all nations. Now, now, okay, go do for others what I did for you. So Mm -hmm. what had he done for them? He called them into a little collective team, little family, little church family, and they would go out into the highways and hedges and proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And he'd come to town and he'd do his evangelistic series. And they would just do that from place to place. And so he says, okay, so now you guys have seen how I do it and how I trained you. Go do that for other people. Call people to yourself and make little teams, little churches, and go do evangelism. Go proclaim the news of the kingdom and do all these various ministries to generate interest and develop contacts and to help people to grow in their interest for the kingdom. And then you preach to them the truth of God's word. You preach the gospel and you bring them into the fold. And then you train them, you develop them, and you just have this movement that's just multiplying and growing because everyone's doing evangelism. And it's nowhere in my estimation that scripture communicates that the church is not supposed to be doing evangelism all the time. And I think that's a soundly biblical statement to make. And yeah, thanks, Danny, for your time. And and you know what, bro, just to close, I should just read this. I'm getting, yeah, l- let me just read this statement to close. There's so many more we could read, but this is a well-articulated statement from Ellen White's book, The Desire of Ages. She says, the Savior's commission to the disciples included all the believers. It includes all believers in Christ to the end of time. It is a fatal mistake to suppose that the work of saving souls depends alone on the ordained minister. It's interesting. She says, mm. fatal mistake. That's the right. kind of mistake that could cost so that's your life. deadly. It's a deadly mistake. You're not in a safe place when you think that the work of saving souls depends on the ordained minister alone. That's your job. That's what you get paid for, Danny. You're supposed mm-hmm. to get out there and be excited for Jesus. That's what we pay you for, Danny. No, it's a fatal mistake to think that way. All to whom the heavenly inspiration has come are put in trust with the gospel. It's like what Paul says, I'm a debtor Mm. to all men. So God gave me something to give to others. And therefore, if I possess it, I'm in debt now to those who don't have it and have to give it. All who receive the life of Christ, she says, are ordained Mm. to work for the salvation of their fellow men. For this work, the church was established. And all who take upon themselves its sacred vows are thereby pledged to be co-workers with Christ. Mm, amen. Yeah, so, amen. Yeah. God bless you guys, and thank you so much for, for joining us today. We hope that uh, you've been inspired by Danny's thoughts and the Word of God, and the, the hope that you've been inspired by us as we've conversed together on this, on this really important topic about spiritual bodybuilding, which is evangelism. God bless, and we'll, we'll catch you next week. See ya.